The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. The moon, yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. The moon, yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Welcome, everyone, to an emergency trade podcast of the NBA podcast. We, we're not planning on doing this today, but naturally, it's uh, the trade deadline is a week from Thursday, so it is Woj Bomb season, and Adrian Wojnarowski dropped a big one today. Uh, Serge Ibaka has been traded to the Toronto Raptors for Terrence Ross and a first-round pick, the worst of the Raptors or one owed from the Clippers. So, before we get in to talk about that, just a few brief uh, reminders, you can find us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. Be sure to check us out there. Give us a follow. All three of our Twitter handles are in the bio, so give us a follow as well. You can find us on iTunes this year, so subscribe, download, and leave us some reviews. We would love any feedback. And we're being hosted this year by FanRag Sports, so check them out on Twitter at FanRag Sports. And for their NBA content, at FanRag NBA, we have Zach Harper, formerly... Hey, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The CBS Sports writing for us there. Uh, it's been giving us a lot of good trade deadline content in particular, so be sure to check out FanRag and FanRag NBA. Joining me for this emergency trade podcast is none other than Morton Jensen. How's it going, Mort? It's going well, Brian, and might I add, it might be Giannis Antetokounmpo who's going to win MIP, but your pluck game is off the chart. <laughs> thank you, thank you, I try. Uh, our third co-host, Sarah Chalea, could not make it because, frankly, she's too responsible to be able to podcast <laughs> in the middle of a Tuesday. Uh, so let's, let's get it right away and talk about this Abaka deal. We should also mention, uh, because this, frankly, influences how we will perceive this deal, uh, before the Abaka news broke, the Cleveland Cavaliers came out and announced that Kevin Love was undergoing a minor arthroscopic surgery on his knee. He's expected to be out for about six weeks, which puts his return, give or take, at the end of the regular season. So with that in mind, Mort, what do you think about the Raptors trading for Ibaka? Oh, it couldn't be more perfectly timed, could it? I no. mean, we have, I, I, you know, before I start off with that, we need to get give ourselves some props here because yes. all season long we've been arguing <laughs> 
that Toronto needs a four, and the only way they're going to get him is by trade because they are capped out with Kyle Lowry hitting the free agent market next year. They just gave DeMar DeRozan $145 million, I want to say. So they needed to pull the plug on a deal, and they did. They got Surge. Then the Kevin Love news broke, I think, almost simultaneously. It felt like it. Um, and, And now Toronto appears to have a little bit of an advantage going into the later stretch of the season. Um, Brian, are you there where you want to put them up alongside Cleveland or just like a small notch below? It's tough to say. I mean, lately, going into Tuesday before this trade happened, the Raptors had lost 10 of their last 14 games, so they had kind of hit a little bit of a tailspin. Um, And Lowry and DeRozan in particular have been Mm. voicing the need for help in recent games. I couldn't find this quote this morning, uh, but I swear I saw it on Twitter last week, where I think it was like Damari Carroll saying basically, uh, you know, especially in late game situations, our offense gets really stagnant. Like we rely too heavily on Kyle and Damar. So we, like the other three of us, kind of just stand in the corner and don't really expect to touch the ball that much. Uh, And that really has proven to be, uh, especially in this recent downswing that's really kind of come back to repeatedly haunt the Raptors like they melted down the other day against the Detroit Pistons and it was kind of the same story so for that reason you know I we have to see I think it's still too early to say the Raptors are like now the favorites to come out of the east you know until Cleveland until we see what happens with Kevin Love like if he comes back 100% and he's ready to go by the playoffs I still give them the slight edge that said I'm with you. This is a move the Raptors had to make, and they had to make it now. I think the timing, especially doing it before the All-Star break, is brilliant. Because now you've got, you know, what, like 10 days to get Ibaka worked into your system. I know, you Mm. know, Lowry and DeRozan are going to be an All-Star game. But, like, Ibaka now has more prep time to, like, become familiar with everything Toronto runs. So after the All-Star break, he hopefully hits the ground running, maybe even starts at the four right away. Um, so for that reason, I mean, (laughs) if I didn't already love the move, I love it even more for Toronto. Uh, somewhat you're also, you're, it sounds like you are where I am, you know, Toronto clear number two in the East now, but not necessarily going to dethrone the Cavs. Yeah, that, that's exactly where I am. Look, here's the thing. I, I like what Boston generally, generally are doing, Mm -hmm. but they kind of needed the same kind of trade. They need an to do something because they're sort of there but not quite they went out and spent all that money on al horford and they are one piece away like one legitimate piece away now toronto made their move Mm -hmm. they more or less said to boston show me what you got yeah because now they have the upper hand as far as i'm concerned like okay theoretically everything could implode but i i doubt it because search is a damn professional yeah (laughs) and he is so good at knowing his limitations and knowing what he can and can't do out there so i feel very confident in this group and look one thing we haven't discussed in prior episodes of the podcast is what if demari carroll begins to find his game yeah right exactly i mean he's been off yeah he's been you know he there he's been showing signs in recent weeks i would say like he's starting to round into form it feels like um, yeah, I mean, it's hard to like, you know, with a Ibaka's just such a perfect fit in that lineup, uh, you know, for multiple reasons. One, 
Jonas Valanciunas is, you know, he's not a great shot blocker. He's averaging less than one block per game. So Ibaka can help there as a weak weak side rim protector, shot blocker, um, cover up kind of that deficiency of Valanciunas. If the Raptors want to go small, they can put Ibaka at the five and hopefully they, you know, exploit that a little bit. Um, Ibaka, like Valanciunas also tends to operate mostly in the post, uh, about Around 75% of his shot attempts are coming within 10 feet of the basket. Ibaka, meanwhile, is averaging a career-high 1.53s per game, shooting nearly 40% from three, also a career-high. So he's going to give the Raptors some much-needed floor spacing. And I just wrote a recap or it's a trade reaction to this at B-Ball Breakdown, so check that out later today when it goes up. But I've, I've found this one thing. Where I really think you know this above all else is where Ibaka is going to help. So I looked at their clutch time metrics, which is when the Raptors are within five points, either head or behind, uh, and then there are fewer or five or fewer minutes in a game. So Lowry and DeRozan have gone. I'm going to be sure I get this set exactly right. They have they've gone 72 of 160 in terms of. Uh, field goal attempts and percentage, which is 45%, which is great. You know, that's really, you can't really ask for much more than that, especially from your two stars who are, you know, probably facing double teams a lot. The rest of the Raptors combined in clutch time (laughs) situations this year, 20 of 64. (laughs) When you told me that stat earlier, I was like blown away. (laughs) Yeah. So like, I mean, you know, it's good in a sense, like that's smart, of the Raptors to rely predominantly on their two top scorers in close game situations. You know, you don't want to have a, a bull situation where you're, you know, Paul Zipser is shooting a three and Jimmy Butler is going off after the game. Like you got to earn that man. Uh, you know, Fred Van Vliet is not shooting like 15 attempts per game in clutch time situations. So that's good, but it also yeah. means you're super predictable, especially in a playoff series, you know, where teams have, more you you could strategize more based on one opponent so teams will if the if the raptors didn't make a move the strategy would be let's load up on Lowry and DeRozan if you know if it's close with 5 minutes left let's make Terrence Ross beat us let's make Valanciunas beat us let's make Patrick Patterson beat us with the Baca they don't have that option anymore or they do but yeah. you know Abaca is capable of kind of coming through in those situations you know i think Ibaka, right, because he can stretch right exactly like so in 2013 14 he went 13 of 25 in clutch situations which is 52 percent his final season in okc he was 14 of 27 which is 51.9 percent so he's used to being based on his time in okc he's used to being that third banana offensively so it's not going to be like a huge role adjustment for him frankly <laughs> Him going yeah. to Orlando was the big role adjustment. Uh, so he's going to slide right back into where he was in OKC as this nice complimentary scorer who can relieve pressure from some of your, your you know, your two big stars. Right, but let's just hope that he doesn't fall into like the slump that he was in in <laughs> OKC like, right. for the last two years. But I, I, I hear what you're saying. I agree. I think is when you give the ball to evacuating games you have a certain advantage that you don't have if, say, Demari Carroll or Terrence Ross gets it. Like, right. Don't get me wrong, Ross can bomb from the outside, but he's not a 6'10 shooter. Yeah. 
who, who can take people off off the dribble because and that's like actually an underrated part of his game. Ibaka is. I don't have the numbers on it, mm-hmm. but he's actually pretty decent when he puts the ball on the floor. He has this sneaky first step, which I kind of hope that he utilizes a little bit more in Toronto because that would free up some passes, some skip passes to Lowry on the outside and mm-hmm. DeRozan. You know, this all comes back to DeRozan though. Like if he can't get that corner three ball to work for him mm-hmm. i mean then an acquisition of ibaka means dick <laughs> right <laughs> you know? right yeah at least at least speaking in, in playoff uh, yeah ideology right yeah and i mean again it's like it depends on how healthy kevin love is like if kevin love mm. does not come back healthy the east is, i you know i'm safe i feel good about declaring the east would be wide open at that point because oh for sure you know like that the, the no team in the NBA was getting less from its power forward position, according to hoopstats.com. They were getting about, I think, 13 points per game. That's it from the power forward than Toronto. So now, you know, what was a weakness is now a strength. And if love is out, like, now that's a big matchup problem for Cleveland to, against Toronto. Like, how do you cover Lowry, DeRozan, and Ibaka like that? He's a legitimate number three, like a, a legitimate number three on a championship caliber team. So yeah, I think it's safe to say we both love the acquisition. What do you think about the price that they paid for him? They gave up Terrence Ross and then, you know, what figures to be a pick in the 20s. We don't know exactly yeah. where. So I'm going to separate it from the original deal. Okay. Because it doesn't work. I, mean, I, I get the overall idea, but it, you have to look at each trade in a vacuum sure. and the the value was fair because he was not going to resign yeah ipaka was he was not going to resign with orlando so getting a first round draft pick and terrence ross was on a good deal i should add mm-hmm. um for a guy who was going to leave in 30 games anyway right that's 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 actually a pretty good haul yeah uh it, it's just because of the grand grander context of it all that you know rob hennigan looks pretty bad in this scenario but ignoring that he did well in in just saving face and also kudos to rob hennigan for two things one pulling the trigger because Mm -hmm. that actually showed us he was more concerned about getting the product right than saving face right by the way that cc bulls management (laughs) yeah right right really that's Yeah. yeah you could learn something and also he acknowledged that he was not really... I don't know if he acknowledged on, that he was on the hot seat. It sort of felt like it. But he, he basically said that criticism of his actions were warranted. Hmm. And that goes a long way to me. Yeah. Re- it really does. Because he has been on the hot seat. We've been crabbing on him forever. <laughs> but right. I'm going to take some of that crap back. Because that's the human aspect is pretty important. Especially when it comes to fan interaction. Yeah. And, and he, he did well there. So... I, I like the return. I also like the fact that they're going to slide Aaron Gordon back to the four now yes. because you don't have Ibaka there. And here's an interesting wrinkle in all of this. Like, people were kind of laughing at the Terrence Ross acquisition. Like, oh, Terrence Ross is a good building block, whatever. Mm-hmm. He actually indirectly is because having a shooter of his caliber in the lineup next to Aaron Gordon yeah. frees up Aaron Gordon. So he becomes like an indirect building block in terms of how you can propel Gordon to higher standards of play. Right. I completely agree with that. So I want to look at it first from Toronto's side and then the Magic. For Toronto, you know, it's it's a lot to give up for a guy who could leave in three months. 
Like you theoretically, right? So like, yeah. you know, oftentimes you just don't give up that much for quote unquote rental players. That said, one presumably they checked with the Baca before they made this trade. I would assume he expressed mm-hmm. some interest of re-signing there. Uh, Steve Kyler of Basketball Insider cited sources a few days ago and said, you know, it's a good long-term fit for him. It was unclear if he would commit to re-signing to them. Maybe it's just a matter of, like, you know, uh, seeing what's on the market. But, you know, you have to figure. I I think he shares an agent with Kyle Lowry, too. So you have to figure. And he has got a great relationship with Masai Ujiri, right? Oh, does he? I believe so. That I oh, okay. there is, I, or at least I know that Ujiri was went after him for a while. Like he's been yeah. targeting him for a long while. Right. And and I do believe that they share some roots. Okay. As well. Gotcha. There is something there. Um, I believe to have read at some point could could have been fake news. <laughs> right. I don't know. Right. 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 Well, regardless, here's the thing: Toronto was capped out. If you're going to re-sign Lowry, you don't have space to bring in a free agent like Ibaka. So then yeah. you have to consider this as basically like their free ma- their big free agent move, you know, four or five months early. So with that in mind, <laughs> right. I love it because, like, again, you're not going to get a player of Ibaka's caliber. So why not make this move? You know, you're like Kyle R- Lowry's going to be 31 in March. Damari Carroll turns 31 in July. Demar Derozan turns 28 in August. Like. You are the definition of a win-now team. Like, your guys are not getting any younger. This is the type of move you make to fortify your core, give you a realistic shot of contending this year, next year, you know, the year after that, and then kind of recalibrate and see where you are. Uh, They are going to get, if they have to re-sign, you know, if they do re-sign Lowry and Ibaka, which I think is a safe assumption, they're going to be pretty deep into the luxury tax. But that said... Again, they're going to be contending. It's not like Portland, yeah. who's in the luxury tax and is kind of, you know, spinning its wheels trying to figure out what it's doing. Uh, and we'll touch on Portland shortly. Uh, for the Magic, yeah, I think you said it well. If you view this deal independently, it's a great value because Ibaka was definitely going to leave in, you know, 30 games. And it's not like the Magic are contending for a playoff spot. Uh, you're totally right that it moves Gordon back to the four, which is where he should have been playing all along. <laughs> Um, (laughs) you know it's i i agree hennigan deserves kudos for admitting his mistakes we've said this on previous podcasts how you know the worst thing a gm can do is make a mistake and then allow that to compound by not admitting his first mistake and like stubbornly clinging to the idea well you know i gave up so much for him i have to try to resign him in july and then if he if he goes like at least i tried it's like no you, you know you can read the tea leaves he's going to leave get whatever you can in return for Ibaka. And Terrence Ross in a late first-round pick. You know, Terrence Ross is on the first year of a three-year, I think it's a $31.5 million deal. So he's young enough that he fits in developmentally with some of Orlando's other young players. You're probably not going to find, you know, a future all-star at number 25, but you never know. Like, again, we've... It's a deep draft. Yeah, right. Like, you know, you got it. You don't You don't know, but if you don't get a swing at it, you definitely won't get one. So now Orlando will have its own pick, which probably figures to be somewhere in the top five to seven range where you probably are going to get a really good prospect, plus a late first rounder. So, you know, we'll see who, you know, those picks tend to lose value the second you turn them into an actual player. But we'll see what happens with that pick. Uh, but yeah, I think, you know, when you look at it, 
when you phrase it as they turned Victor Oladipo, Sabonis, and Ilyasova into Terrence Ross, the late first round pick. Right. That that's it's like, problem. yeah, then I want to yeah. just go hug a Magic fan. I just feel really, <laughs> like, I'm really sorry, guys. Like, that sucks. But I we were talking on the, the step back uh, email thread today, and Chris Barnwell, who's a big Magic fan, was like, hey, well, at least uh, this wasn't the worst trade Hedigan's made in the last couple of years. Like, at least we got a player and a pick back, unlike uh, Tobias Harris, where we just salary dumped, or like unlike Mo oh, Harkless, man. where we just got a top yeah. 55 protected second round pick. So... You know, they got something of value in return yeah. for Ibaka, which is good. Um, yeah, so any last thoughts about this Ibaka deal, Mort, before we talk about Portland? Well, not other than defensively speaking, Toronto should be greatly improved because mm-hmm. I kind of like the idea of having Jonas just body up on the big fellers. He's not like a great defender, but he can handle his own one-on-one. Sure. And that could allow... Ibaka to free roam a little bit. Yeah, uh, his blocks have been down a lot. Ibaka's has. Yep. He's, it's at one point six for the season. This is a guy who used to swat like three and a half per game. <laughs> right. So if that could be tuned up a little bit, because let's let's be honest, shot blockers who put up large numbers, like large shot blocking numbers, are just more inclined to scare the living poop out of. Uh, <laughs> right. Like right, right. Th- those numbers matter. Yeah. I mean, it just does. You, you know, of course. Ibaka still he remains a great shot blocker, and I'm sure that one of the reasons that his his shot blocking average right now is kind of low is because teams and players are like, oh that's Ibaka, I'm just gonna put up a floater instead. Mm-hmm. But if he has a chance, I want him to chase blocks like for the first ten <laughs> yeah. games with Toronto just to get that average up. So going into the postseason, he's gonna be like, look at look at those digits. You really want to come in here? Right. You really you you should think twice. Yeah. So that that's going to be uh, a lot of pressure he can take off Jonas as well in terms of shot blocking because, my lord, like, Toronto fans are really, really criticizing Jonas for his lack of blocks, which I get because he's long, athletic, and fairly quick. Like, he should get more than 0.8 a game or whatever it is. <laughs> right. So, but, but this should help uh, matters in that regard. I'm really looking forward to this Toronto team. I'm kind of hyped about them. And also... Not we we talked about this before we started shooting. Norman Powell, yes. Norman Powell. Wow, it butchered that name. Um, I think with him being unleashed, uh-huh. that he could be a better player than Terrence Ross. Yeah. So this might actually be an acquisition of Ibaka as well as an addition by subtraction, right? Due to Powell. Yeah, I'm glad. I, I'm really glad you brought up Powell, and we should have mentioned him, her, him earlier. I mean. Yeah, it's like you don't need – there wasn't space for both Powell and Ross all that much, you know, because you have Lowry and DeRozan, you have Corey Joseph, so you really only need one more backcourt option, um, mm. which – so Powell's emergence really kind of made Ross more expendable than he was even like a couple months ago. Uh, you know, Sean Devaney of Sporting News said – you know, two weeks back when he broke the – he was the one who originally broke the like – Abaka is being shopped heavily news. Um, and he mentioned Toronto as a destination, but he said they were reluctant to give up Terrence Ross, but then DeMar DeRozan got hurt and Norman Powell played really well in his absence. So maybe that mm. kind of convinced them like, oh, okay, well, you know, we'll survive if we have Powell instead of Ross, especially if we're adding uh, Serge Abaka in place of like Patrick Patterson and Jared Sullinger. So yeah, yeah I'm with you. I'm, I'm super excited 
uh, for Toronto. Now, I think if nothing else, this will make the Eastern Conference playoffs better. Um, yeah. You know, because the Wizards are playing really well. Like that, the second round of the Eastern Conference playoffs, if the four favorites emerge, if it's Cleveland, Boston, Toronto, and Washington, like that could be really fun. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. To think that they didn't have to give up Corey Joseph. I know. It's insane. It's Oh, yes. I mean, we should mention, so Josh Lewenberg of TSN, I think, yeah, TSN Sports. Oh, uh, right. Yeah, that's yeah, a good one. Yeah, he, so he, he reported <laughs> after this trade that the Raptors tried to trade for Ibaka ahead of last summer's draft, which was when he was still on OKC. The Thunder's asking price was Corey Joseph, Patrick Patterson, Norman Powell, and Toronto's ninth overall pick. So, yeah, there's that. You just have to wait for things to go through Orlando first, I suppose. <laughs> right, exactly. You just have to pray someone more desperate to make the playoffs acquires him <laughs> and then <laughs> realizes it didn't help and then fire sells him for 40 cents on the dollar. So, yeah, once again, I think the moral of the story is Masai Ujiri stays winning always and forever. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk briefly. There. This is not the only trade. Uh Unfortunately, the Julio Okafor trade, we are still waiting on. This is day nine of the, hey, guys, we're super serious. He's really going to get traded today. Uh, I'm super serial, you guys. I know. I'm, I'm pretty sure, side note before we get into this other one, I'm pretty sure Brian Colangelo is now leaking this every day. Like, no, wait, we're really serious. Like, he's definitely yeah. going to get moved today to drive <laughs> up, the like, a bidding war. And then other teams are oh. like, shut up. This is not, we don't believe you. Like, we're not changing our offer. And he's like, no, 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 but we're really going to move him today. I promise. We're definitely going to move him. So, yeah, I'm expecting at this point, I don't think Okafor is getting moved until after the All-Star break. I would be happy to be wrong. And we will definitely film another emergency podcast if he goes to the Bulls, especially. Uh, but Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank yeah. you for that one. Sure. Look, I'm just imagining Brian Colangelo, like, drawn in South Park form, <laughs> yeah, walking, walking right. around in, in like, playing... Uh, <laughs> Uh, was it Al Gore? Yeah, uh huh. Yeah, yep. just I'm super serial, guys. Yeah. He definitely <laughs> man bear pig. Yeah. Is in a minute now, <laughs> right? He definitely <laughs> believes in man bear pig. Yeah. Uh, okay, so sorry for that side note. Let's go to the other big trade that happened in the last couple days. Uh, I think this was on Sunday. It broke that Portland was trading Mason Plumley and a 2018 second-round pick to the Denver Nuggets for Yusuf Nurkic and Memphis's top-five protected first-round pick in 2017, which is going to convey. It'll be somewhere in the 20 range. So Basically the same deal as you just got Serge Ibaka for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're not Just wrong. With, with the inclusion yeah. of a second-round pick. Right, yeah, that's a fair point. Yeah, so Mort, uh, what did you think of this deal? Do you think any... Either team came out as a clear winner or loser of that one? Well, here's the thing. Denver has accumulated so many draft picks recently, and now they're trying to cash in a little bit. I don't know if Plumlee is the guy to go for. Mm-hmm. Having said that, I started looking at um, Nikola Jokic for a little bit because he's yes. been falling. Yes. And I recognized something, and one of my Danish friends, um, who's, a, who's a professional player, uh, actually, he had he had a good point about something, and I want to reiterate his point. Okay, it's that Denver has recognized that Emmanuel Mudiay is not going to be this low turnover playmaking guy. Yeah. So what they have decided to to do is essentially let the playmaking 
be done by players who are better at playmaking. That's very simple. Mm -hmm. So what they did, instead of over-utilizing Jokic, now they get Mason Plumlee, who's a fine passer, who's a very fine passer, and is something that we don't speak enough of. He's so underrated in that aspect. So you put Plumlee on the block, because he can only score very close to the basket. He's not a shooter. Mm -hmm. All right. So you have Plumlee... Near the basket, you have Jokic, and I don't. Ho- I don't think that those two are going to play a hell of a lot of minutes together because that's a pretty slow lineup. Right. But I do think we'll see it. Yeah. So you have Plumlee in the post. You have Jokic in the high post or outside the three-point line, mm-hmm. and then you have Moutier cutting. Yeah. Because those two will find angles for him and get him layups. He's yeah. extremely athletic, so he can get to the rim. He's just not a ball handler. He's not this on-ball point guard. Mm-hmm. So Denver just more or less outsourced their playmaking to Mason Plumley and Nikola Jokic. Right. I expect them to give the ball much less to Moutier from here on out and use him a lot more off the ball. If that works, then I love it for Denver. Yeah. I am concerned, again, as I said, whether giving up that draft pick for Plumley specifically is the right move, mm-hmm. but I love the idea of it. Yeah. Yeah. See, I'm with, I'm with you. Uh, I could, Frank, I wrote something about this for the step back. Uh, and I kind of think both teams based on their respective needs came out as winners. Uh, so for Portland, you know, they spent all of this money. They made it raid like it was Allen Iverson strip club, basically. Uh, <laughs> Allen Iverson had a TGI friend. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, and now, you know, Mason Plumlee's a restricted free agent this summer. They're already, even without Plumlee, projected to be in the luxury tax. So if he got, you know, a $10 million a year deal, which is very low, I think he's going to get more than that. It would just put, it would put an exorbitant financial strain on Portland, and they're not yeah. anywhere near the caliber of team that should be making those types of moves. So it was a nice proactive move for Portland's sake to say, Hey, we know we probably can't retain this guy. Let's get, let's take a flyer on Yusuf Nurkic who has fallen out of favor in Denver. Um, you know, might provide a different look defensively in particular. Uh, Portland was 20th last year and now 27th this year in defensive efficiency. Not all of that is on Plumlee. Uh, you know, when you're building around Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum, that's hard to have a top 10 defense. But yeah. Plumley, you know, I, I don't think you can say he is an above average defender. I think average would be putting it nicely. That's fair. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I like I like it for Portland just being proactive, getting a first round pick, getting Nurkic, seeing if he can be motivated when he's not competing with uh, Jokic for minutes. For Denver, I think you you are right on the money. Um, you know they're basically running their offense through Jokic already. Like he had a triple yep. double against the Warriors on Monday night. Second. Oh triple. my god, how great was that? Oh god, he's I. So I have him in a fantasy basketball keeper league. I got him in like the sixth round this year, and I'm never letting him go. Him and Russell Westbrook and Kristaps Porzingis. I was kind of torn because I also have Rudy Gobert, and I can only keep yeah. three guys. But now Jokic, there's no way I'm going to go to the grave you'll have to bury me with like traded cards of russell westbrook and nikola jokic based on how much money they make me in the next couple of years i'm gonna put you in hell right now yeah don't do that denver if denver called and offered jokic for Embiid, oh i would you do it 
No, only because I love Embiid so much, but I know it's Yeah, stupid. but you're not allowed to be a homer right yeah, now. Yeah, I, I would have to see his MRI. <laughs> That's all I could say. I would have to see how serious this meniscus nonsense is, which we could talk well, about. Well, that's, well, all right, but Jokic still is cost control for another two years. Yeah, uh, I mean, Embiid is a better two-way prospect, it's just the health that concerns me. Yeah, yeah, well, but that's a big thing. Right, though. yeah, yeah. That's... And Jokic is like, he's he's going to be an all-star for years and years yeah. and years and years. That's tough. That's a, a legitimately yeah. tough. I don't know. We should ask Sarah on our next episode. We should, should also bring this out to the Sixers community because I want to hear this. Yeah, okay. I could float that out uh, yeah, after good. this episode. Uh, but yeah, for Denver, I think you're just right on that. You know, Plumlee is they, they can now run their offense through their centers 48 minutes a game. Yeah. Uh, Plumlee is fifth in the league in terms of all centers in assist percentage and assist per game. So you're, you know, again, spot on and saying he's a very underrated passer uh, mm-hmm. and was really helping Portland out a great deal on offense. So I'm excited to see what happens there. I'm with you. I don't think they play Plumlee and Jokic together all that much. That said, they're not, they, you know, they went through the, the Jerkic combination earlier this season and then they like tried to, they moved Jokic to the bench and they were kind of featuring Nurkic early, which was just like, what the hell are you doing? You have this like <laughs> all-star caliber talent. Why are you, why are you wasting it on Nurkic? And then they, in mid-December, oh. they switched and Jokic took off. So I think, you know, whatever they do from this point forward, they're going to, uh, it's not going to come at Jokic's expense. If it, you know, yeah. if the Plumley thing doesn't work out, so it goes, they're not going to force that. Um, you know, I think it's it's hard to say who wins this deal until we see what happens with Plumley and restricted free agency. Uh, if a team goes after him with a huge, you know, huge amount, and he signs, you know, an eighteen million dollar a year offer sheet, and Denver is forced to match, they have the cap space right now. But like long term, especially if Jokic and Plumley don't prove to be a great fit together. Right. You know, there's not much sense in committing that much money to a backup center. So you got to figure if it doesn't work out, they'll re-sign him only to move him later. Uh, yeah. Which is kind of what I want the Sixers to do with Nerlens Noel, as a side note. And which is something Denver has done before with Nene. Yeah, that's true. Right. So it's, yeah, wasn't wasn't that with our boy Masai at the helm? It, that was Masai. Yep. Yeah, he re-signed Nene and then traded him for JaVale McGee, making, we, we talked about Ibaka being like, and a four to five month earlier re, uh, free agent signing. Right. That was essential. That was just a delayed free agent signing. Like yeah. they re-signed Nene and then traded him <laughs> right. later on in the season for JaVale McGee, who right. then became Denver's indirect free agent acquisition. Correct. It's actually a smart way of doing things. I I don't understand why more teams aren't really inclined to do it. Yeah. I know. I mean, I think it's. I th- I believe if a restricted free agent signs an offer sheet and then you match, they have trade veto rights for a year, but it's only a year, and yeah. realistically, you're probably signing these guys for four years anyway. So All right, like, Nene was a vet. Yeah. That's right. So that's fair. But that's a fair point. That said, I mean, you know, that won't preclude uh, Denver from trading Plumlee in the future if, for whatever reason, it doesn't work out and they do resign him or. I think that's only if they match an offer sheet. If they just sign him outright, they can trade him whenever, or, you know, three months down the line, whenever. Um, so, yeah, I mean, 
I could see it working out for both sides for their respective reasons. Uh, I think, you know, it's pretty clear it's going to help Denver in the short term. Probably will not do great things for Portland. So, you know, uh, Denver and Portland are locked in that, like, eighth eighth seed of the West battle, which is just like a factory of sadness. But Denver is probably takes another step forward. Uh, Dallas and New Orleans are probably their top uh, challengers now. And Portland, you got to figure, is preparing for a lottery pick. But Mm. it's not such a bad thing in this draft. No, 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 no. Like, imagine if Portland actually got a big man. Like, I was on the search Baca to Portland idea earlier in the season. I was really (laughs) banging the Ellen Crab for search Baca drum. Yeah, you were. And to, to my credit... That was similar value. Yeah. Like Terrence Ross in the first rounder. That, so that's true. That was close. Yeah. But like if if Portland gets like a legitimate big man in this year's draft, yeah. Hell, I'll take that instead of like twenty eight games of, of Ibaka who might leave anyway. I know. If I don't know if they're gonna get high enough to get him without, you know, hitting like the jackpot, in which case they're probably not gonna take him, but Jonathan Isaac of Florida State seems like yeah he'd be a really yeah. fun fit there. Yeah, that's that's probably a little bit. Yeah, he, he's gonna he's gonna go higher. I was thinking like T.J. Lee or something. Okay, yeah, that'd be. Fun. I mean, yeah, he's not like a traditional big man in that sense, but you know, he's athletic and can run the floor. He, he gives them a little bit of an offensive punch. That would have been good. And the good thing for Portland is that a lot of the top. 10 projected picks right now are mostly point guards. You have Malik Monk, who's a shooting guard. You have a couple bigs, but it's like pretty guard heavy. And so like there's a chance that a big man, you know, if teams don't stick to best player available and go for need instead of talent, there's a chance a top 10 talent falls to them wherever they wind up. And they help. They could wind up in, you know, eighth, ninth, 10th spot. Rab. Oh, yeah. There you go. If Ivan Rav drops, Brian. There you go. See? Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. When you're right, you're right. Yeah, Port- yeah. Portland, I like. I really do like the move for both sides. I think it's, it, again, it's like smart of both teams to realize where they are. You know, like, it's the same thing with Ibaka. Like, giving up a first-round pick and Nurkic for three months rental of Plumley seems like a lot, but mm. like Nurkic was not playing, right? Like Nurkic was completely right. out of the rotation and he was sulking on the bench. So if you're getting a backup setter who allows you to play the same way for 48 minutes a game, that's a big win. Like you can't count Nurkic as a plus asset. You're basically trading that pick, that Memphis pick, which could be like number 20 for Plumley, which seems like a pretty fair value. So. Uh, kudos to both teams, and I'm excited, especially after you know All Star break and tra- trade deadline, to kind of see all of these new pieces in action. Oh, speaking of All Star, yeah, we were talking about who should replace. Kevin oh Love. yes, yeah, right. Did they? And like, if if Joel Embiid was healthy yeah. and had more games under his belt. Yeah. That would have been great, but he isn't and he hasn't, so that's kind of unfortunate. So I'm kind of I'm kind of leaning Porzingis. Yeah, I think that's a hundred percent the right call. Uh, if if anything, it might just be Adam Silver's way of being like, "Hey, Nix, I know you are just a toxic waste of dysfunction, but you have one good thing going for you." <laughs> 
do not screw that up. Here is Kristaps. He's an all-star. You know, he'll, he'll be fun. Uh, I just hope that, you know, he's over that Achilles soreness that he was dealing with earlier this year and that, you know, playing playing in the all-star game would not exacerbate, like, you know, if, if it's better for him to get eight days of rest to be ready for the second half of this dumpster fire season, go for that. But I can't honestly think of another deserving you know, another Eastern Conference snub, like the big snubs to me were in the West, aside from Embiid, so. And that's why we should change the all-star format. Like, we should allow Nikola Jokic to take that place. Oh, that would be fun. Well, you know what I mean? Like, it's so tough. Like, look, Damian Lillard isn't even in the game. That's true, yeah. I mean, and, and but I'm looking at those teams, and I'm like, there are so many guys out West who definitely would have been there if they were East, like, we should do something about this. Yeah. I kind of like the format they have in the rookie game. Or uh, the, the, the U.S. Yeah. versus the world. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, all the, right, that's what it's become. But back in, in the day when they were, like, rookies and oh, sophomores yeah. or whatever, yeah. they, they had, like, you could have, like, two Nets guys on one squad and two Nets guys on the, the other squads so or whatever. Like, if you, you should just mix it up. You should make it, like, uh, a pole, a, yeah. A pool, yeah. Like it would be cool if you could just fun. vote on like twenty-four guys, and then there are team captains, and they can like draft their own teams to see. It. Especially because that could be fun. Like if uh, you know, if one of the Golden State Warriors guys was the captain, would they pick Russell Westbrook, or would they be like, no, no, you you could have him. You can. Oh, <laughs> right. Yeah. Like put, putting in, putting players in charge would be so much fun. You have like Kevon Looney getting into the game. Yeah. <laughs> No, but, but like we would still vote on the pool of players that were qualified to come in, and then put, oh, okay, fair. And yeah, then, that's a good idea. Yeah, and then like the players themselves are like team captains. However, you choose those. Maybe like the top two vote getters are the team captains, and they pick from there. Yeah, <laughs> I would love that. There you go. We started that. off with a trade pod, and we ended with <laughs> a way to make changing the, the all star format. Yeah, way, a way to make the all star <laughs> game better. All right, well, more any final thoughts on either Ibaka or this Portland-Denver deal? Well, not really. I think you covered most of it. I'll just say this. We've actually gotten down, like as an NBA community, we've gotten a little bit down on Nurkic, mm-hmm. and I think we might be making a mistake in doing that. I know he's limited on a whole bunch of stuff, but he's young. Mm-hmm. And he's got this offensive sense that a lot of bigs don't have. Like, he can step out a little bit. He's got a little bit of muxie in him. He's got some ugliness in him. If he's given enough rain, I could actually see him become quite a stable offensive player who could really, really be uh, a, a difference maker, offensively speaking. Mm-hmm. And he would need to get a little bit more range on that jump shot, though. That is really the problem, isn't it, in today's world? Yeah. Like, you have some of the most offensively adept bigs, but if they can't hit a jump, a jump shot, like you're, you're out. You can't do anything. You're just you're limited. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, talent wise, I'm not out on Nurkic. I think it just seems like he got so frustrated. He was like so in his head that once he fell out of the rotation, you know, it's like tricky to manage him. But if he yeah. can find the right fit in Portland, then he's not going to have to compete with minutes. You know, Azili's probably out for the year. <laughs> 
Uh, you know, I don't think Ed Davis or Noah Vonley present a huge threat to him in terms of minutes. <laughs> oh, so there's a bust in Noah Vonley yeah. we haven't even talked about. So for that reason, I love it for Portland because I think you yeah. know he's going to get 30 plus minutes a game. He's going to feel comfortable in his role. He was playing really well at the start of the year. Like he was out playing Jokic at the start of the year, and that's why yeah. Malone kept him in the starting lineup. But then you know Jokic kind of took off and Nurkic slumped. But like for those first five games. Nurkic yeah. was playing really well, and coming into the year, Mike Malone was talking about like how high he was on Nurkic and how he thought he was going to have a big year. So, like, yeah, I I think you're totally right. There, we should not be out on Nurkic no. being a you know a, a legitimate rotation player or a possible piece of the future in Portland. Yeah, I mean, he's got good numbers. Like, if you look at the his career, he's averaging like seven and a half points and six rebounds and a block in under eighteen minutes a game. Mm-hmm. Like that that is good permanent production. Even if he becomes like one of those Greg Monroe backups who gets like twenty three, twenty five minutes a game mm-hmm. off the bench, like comes in as an offensive minded big, that'd be fine for him. He could he could squeeze out like fourteen and eight in those minutes. Yeah. I mean, hell, look at what Monroe's been doing since uh, right. Jabari went down. Like he's having he had a monster game the other day. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he's having fun. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. All right. Mort, it was good talking to you. Uh just re- Reminder to everyone, uh, again, follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. You can find all three of our Twitter handles in there as well. Check out FanRag Sports and at FanRag NBA on Twitter, which is where we're being hosted this year. We're going to have a lot of good trade deadline content. If you're into fantasy basketball, uh, I, I've been doing fantasy stuff for them all year. I'll be writing some reaction to this Ibaka deal for tomorrow. Um, And again, follow us on iTunes, subscribe, download, leave us some reviews. We'd love to hear any feedback you have. Mort, uh, hopefully we will be back in a couple days to react to some Jaleel Okafor trade. uh, (laughs) A a solidified Jaleel Okafor trade. Oh, hey now. Leave a little something for me because I have put a lot of money in a special project that you know of for for the trade deadline. Not for Americans, though. Only for Danes, but still. I am hoping for my own benefit that <laughs> we don't have any more trades well, before that night because, yeah. Yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. the magic really ruins some of the suspense for you here. But, yeah, yeah, don't worry. As I alluded to earlier on this podcast, I I certainly am starting to fear that Jalil Okafor will be on the Sixers as of 2 p.m. on February 23rd. And what happens in that last hour will go a long way toward whether I can uh, – Stay sober for the rest of the year, or if I can't. (laughs) (laughs) So until then, Mort, we'll catch you in a couple days. Definitely, Brian. Later. All right, take care. You too, man. Welcome to Total Wine & More. It's much more than a wine store. It's the eighth wonder of the world. When people talk about Total Wine & More, they get a little carried away. We're just a big, friendly place run by people with a passion for wine and beer. See, we travel the world to find the best wines from the best regions, and we sell them at the lowest prices anywhere. And friendly, helpful experts at every turn. You know what? Maybe we are the eighth wonder of the world. Shop in-store or online at TotalWine.com. 
Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729-811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729-811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance.